0: welcome to circle around on this podcast we hope to see analyze reflect and respond better to our context by asking meaningful questions that lead to better questions our conversation is aimed at helping believers make sense of their world and then reimagine a new way of responding faithfully with full presence to the challenges of our urban society we are your hosts lusanda and It's always a pleasure talking to you. For this episode, we're speaking about um, seeing place. We're talking about developing the courage to see our context better, right? So I wanted to start by reading this amazing quote by Leonard Hilmerson from his book, No Home Like Place. Says here, to return home is to return to a place. Through experience, human hearts become rooted in place. The paradox of place is that it is both given and socially constructed. Place is storied and so contested because stories themselves are placed, conditioned by history and culture. But place has become transparent to us. Like air, we are immersed in it and can't live without it, but we don't see it.
1: It's an an amazing quote. Uh, It reminds us of our favorite quote, uh, John 1, 14. And, And the word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us, uh, speaking about again uh, this uh, the concept of the incarnation. Uh, that it, it's such a profound concept because it's, in light of also the quote that you know that you just read now, it's it's not just about a spiritual truth or a metaphor when uh, we speak about how God came. Uh, to be with us, right? That Even other people like uh, Eugene Peterson in his translation talks about Jesus moving into the The neighborhood, neighborhood, right? But it's actually a literal thing that we're talking about that Jesus literally was born in history in a particular place, right, in time that he lived in a home. And if you, you can imagine uh, the home that he, he's, yeah. he's, he's living in, it's filled with maybe some sawdust or some wood shavings uh, from yeah. the work that his father as a carpenter did. Yeah. But he, there was a well. He lived in a town where there was a well that where people gathered in the early morning and the late evenings, uh, where he walked the dusty streets of his town, uh, maybe went, went to the shore to watch the fishermen bring in the catch of the day. But it's speaking about a real place Mm -hmm. and it's the beautiful truth that the invisible god came to be Mm -hmm. here in uh, came to be with us in in this world that he lived that he he moved that he acted in this this world world. so it's a it's a beautiful thing to to really wrap your your head around Uh, but as always let me start by asking you two questions uh the first one is where Uh, have you seen, you know, this week, the place that reflects the pain of of a broken world? Mm. And what places also have you seen God uh, moving into the neighborhood?
0: Yeah, so speaking of the presence of God um, in our world, um, these two stories actually will, they feed right into that, uh, my own presence in my own world. So, They're actually about our kids. So on Saturday, I was on the phone and there was a story that I was following. And so I was very engrossed in it. And also, you know, the thing in me that always wants to make sure that I'm properly tuned in and I'm aware of what's happening and I'm engaging. I was in like work mode, but I wasn't. It was a Saturday. So I'm busy scrolling through my phone and I'm following the story and I'm reading all the comments and, you know. Yeah. And then Maisha comes, um, you know how, you know, when she wants your attention, she goes, Mama, yeah. Mama, yeah. Can, Mama, Mama, sometimes you'll yeah. turn your t- face t- t- yeah, yeah. so that you can be there with her and be present. Yeah. And um, I got really, really agitated. And then I had this outburst. And I'm like, Maisha, can you not see that I am working? Right. Yeah. And then she said, Mama, it's Saturday. Yeah. And I wanted to play with you because um, I wanted to show you how bad. Uh, sorry, I wanted to, um, to, to show you that I am sorry for not listening to you earlier. Mm. Firstly, um, I was so convicted about this the fact that I, here I was. Um, yes, granted, the story was important and um, yeah. it's important for me to be engaged as a, as a citizen, as <laughs> a decent citizen, to be aware of what's happening in my world. But I had prioritized presence out there versus this this being present fully here in this story, because Maisha was also wanting to fill my love tank, yeah. you know, with a relational breakdown earlier, yeah. where she wasn't she's listening to like me. That, yeah. She's she's sweet, and okay. so I I I was obviously confronted with this with this continual um, pull yeah. in terms of my presence and how my daughter was wanting to connect with me, but I wanted to rather connect with the story and you know in the cyber world and all of that, and I felt really really. Moved by her desire to move towards me, but I wasn't I didn't want to meet her there. And so um, Mm. And I I was very confronted by my You know by not wanting to by the fact that I didn't want to be present with her Um, The second question was where do you see God making home in our world? Um, Also with our children Um, on Sunday Sunday morning, um, I, I had this idea of how my Sunday mornings are supposed to go, right? But then this particular yeah. Sunday, um, you weren't feeling um, your usual, you know, Sunday best. Where um, then I decided I'm gonna take the kids, be awesome, let you rest, take the kids, and we're gonna go downstairs and start my day. But then it just went like from zero to um, 180 kilometers an hour for the whole day, and um, I just felt really, really hurried and um, just haggard, you know. And so by the time that it was like late afternoon, I was giving off signs and wonders, you know, where I'm like feeling really, really grumpy and I give you signs and then you wonder what's wrong. And I didn't want to tell you what was happening. And then um, you like loose. I can see something is not okay here. Um, what happened? And then I, and then I felt, first I felt guilty. <laughs> like, I oh, know that you went well and I decided to do this. But then we had that moment where we found each other yeah. and um, I, had, I had to name you know, that sense of being bothered by the fact that my Sunday, got birth, and I never really felt the, the Sabbath that I was expecting. And then, you know, you made right. You said you were sorry.
1: You <laughs> Usually know, that solves many things. That solves many yeah. things.
0: And so, but, but honestly, I feel like that, that for me, at least at a micro level, us finding each other is some of the ways that I see God wanting to make his home among us when we mm. know how to name things that put us at odds with each other within our family and then we find each other, we reconcile and, and mm. the, person, the other person makes right and to, to restore and bring back into that relationship.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think sometimes that, that act of finding one another gives us the sense of hope of how things are meant to be, yeah. uh, at least a restoration of relationship or connection um, but thank you for being for being gracious no. <laughs> in that moment. You may, uh, I
0: mean, you did make, you make up for it. So I
1: did. Right. I, yeah. I still am. Uh, but so so talking about you know this idea of place, a home and and belonging.
2: Yeah.
1: I realize that for many people they make that traumatic assumption and connection that uh, between um, home and place. That you know you know where you are, that's home. Yeah and that that usually home has these connotations of this is where I belong this is where I rest this is where I'm wanted this is this is a place of safety for me Uh, but one of the things that that really I think maybe spoke uh, showed the the disconnect I read between these three things for many South Africans was during the The lockdown lockdown period right and I had the privilege right early on as the uh, the lockdown uh, was announced in, 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 in our country to then kickstart the activities of the Khaleesi yeah. Foundation where we got to travel around the country and provide much needed food relief uh, and support for families that we knew would be in trouble because of you know, the lockdown, particularly in under-resourced communities. Now, one of the things that you know, we began to notice as we traveled around different spaces in our country is the idea that where people were confined to this place that was meant to be home was was a place of lack for many of them was a place of uh, despair and distress but it wasn't the same thing for everyone it depending on where you went which space this sense of home was located in our country different people had different experiences and belonging wasn't necessarily right always common experience a common experience yeah Yeah. and so that that really that really hit me hard i I already knew about it but that really hit me hard seeing seeing that and Mm. you stayed at home uh you know we were with our girls who were you know but still crazy they they really i mean they really wanted to move (laughs) they wanted to get out out? every hour every hour they kept on asking yeah "Yeah, exactly when are we going to be able to do the things that we normally do and was And and mostly you had to do, I think, containing them, if I can put it that way. And so the question would be, you know, what has this time, this lockdown period for you, uh, shaped the way you see uh, place, home and belonging?
0: Yeah. So again, going back to that quote, um, Hilmarsson says there that place is contested. Right, because it's it's something that's given and socially constructed, um, and there's something about the lockdown where um, you are all asked to stay at home, stay in your home, right? Mm. Um, that shows that showed at least for me that being in crisis mode actually helped me to see. To see place properly and to see place for what it is. Firstly, to, for me to see my place for what it is. Um, I remember that um, for the longest time, I mean I would always be like, "Oh, I wish we could have more this, I wish I had more decor, I wish I could um, build a little bit of this and you know, and I, I, I always it almost feels like my mm. home was never enough, mm. right? Um, until <laughs> yeah, shame. You felt that. I felt like a flash flashback. Yeah, yeah. and it, and I always felt like um, there were things I were not good enough, and all of that. And all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute, um, I'm in a house where I, I take for granted that the structure uh, mm-hmm. is safe. Yeah. that the community itself is mm-hmm. safe. The things that are that are that exist in my community that, um, that. That I don't even worry about are yeah. uh, the things that are invisible in my community that make me feel like I can have a pretty decent um, lockdown here, yeah. and the things that are visible in my community that give it the the texture that actually I'm going to have quite a, a, a good lockdown. I have access to things. All, all of a sudden, I was aware of the fact that we can get resources to yeah. make the lockdown better for our kids. They weren't going to go to school, so we could get them toys. Um, if there's a wind, if there's a wind or a flood or whatever my house is gonna be okay. So I, I saw the things that I took for granted and then I became grateful, yeah. right? And then the other layer was that um, I was aware now of the tension that I felt that, wait a minute, so if I had this romantic notion of my lockdown experience, mm. what's happening with everyone else? Yeah. So then there's this tension of uh, what I call sub, sub, suburb guilt, where yeah. actually being aware of your place and, and its ideal, mm. um Set ideal setup. It, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm aware that actually, you know, as is popularly said, we 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 might all be in the storm together, but we're not. We're in different boats, mm-hmm. right? And me then being in mm-hmm. in this in this space made me aware, like, wait a minute. We're not all in the same lockdown experience. Yeah. There are people living in communities where um, there there might not be access, right? First of all that Gogo who has to go and sell food for the day so that she can have money for tomorrow, mm. that income is gone. And so many different um, work situations that were affected and I was aware that mm-hmm. actually wait, South African is, is in different places. And there's something like you were saying with the foundation work, mm. um, all of a sudden, all of the poverty and inequality that we've been, hap- we've been happily kind of continuing with yeah. um, comes to the surface because of crisis. And then also, the idea that I, had, I can take for granted my own safety yeah. as a woman, right? Yeah. I'm in a home where I know that I'm not living with my abuser, mm-hmm. right? Um, there are people who during the, lo- before the lockdown, right? If they were living with an abuser, their abuser can, they can take a break from from, from their abuser. Maybe he goes out to play golf with the boys yeah. or he goes out to, you know, for a night out in town yeah. or um, an, or, maybe the guy gets to go to the tavern or the person goes to work and Mm -hmm. they don't have to be but now all of a sudden because of the lockdown women and children have to get have to sit still and um and be in lockdown with somebody that that that's a perpetrator there's no way out and so i was just aware of those dynamics and um and also finally just the sense that now, because we're all congregating in the digital space, cause that's when we are being together. We're longing yeah. for connection, isn't it? And yeah. so we are connected on social media yeah. and then you're constantly aware of what the rest of the world is experiencing. And then, so you keep scrolling and you keep seeing the dire situations that other people are experiencing. Yeah. So, and that also causes a sense of overwhelm. And so, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that was, that, that's pretty much some of the things that made me see place.
1: And and I mean, what what do you think is at stake in when we lose sight of, of place when we when we don't understand just the how space influences and speaks into how we we, we, we experience life. Yeah.
0: What
1: what is it? What is at stake when we lose that perspective?
0: Well, it place. I, I understand place to be encoded um, sorry, rather place is space with stories encoded on them,
2: Mm.
0: right? Um, and, uh, and and the stories Mm. of, of those place, Mm. they tell you about the people that are there. And so to be aware of the stories that are encoded Mm. in, um, in place also gives you an opportunity to see who people are, where they are, Mm. and, um, and also how the place has shaped them, and how they also shape the place, and so mm-hmm. I think um, we often kind of, you know, experience Indo that we're in, in mm-hmm. as if they're neutral, right? Yeah. And so by the time that we talk about race, there's like something that brings up race, um, and all these other socioeconomic um, realities that we experience. Yeah. If we don't see the stories of places where those things are happening. Yeah. We won't have an entry point into those conversations because we're not building a reservoir of being faithful to the memories mm-hmm. of the stories that the places uh, uh, that the places have. And so, then being aware of place means that we can we can see where race comes in. Yeah into the conversation. We can see where spatial inequality mm. comes into the conversation. We can see uh, where gender comes into the conversation, the economic landscape of right. places, right? We can see uh, where citizenship
2: yeah. comes into
0: the conversation. Um, yeah, because now we, we, know, we know what happened then so we can mm. respond to these things based on the stories.
1: You know, as you, as you, as, as you, as you say that, um, coming from, from Bushbuck Ridge, um, there's a place just outside um yeah. and i've never thought about i never thought about it because you know i think largely because it's also a translation but it means uh Madenting is a is a well tente from tent yes, yes, from right tents, so yes. t- many tents mm-hmm. and I, you often and then i wondered as you said that to say what i wonder what's the story behind behind, uh, behind that because right next to uh there's a well not too but not too far from it there's another place called Enkanini mm-hmm. and Enkanini i was uh I always thought that was maybe unique to yeah. Bushbuck Ridge until I left and uh, traveled a bit and I saw, wait, actually in KZN, there's, yeah. the, uh, there's a place called Enkanini in Ekaapa, there's a place called Enkanini. And if you look at the stories behind them, mm. you realize that there, there's a common story. There's a, a, a piece of land that's unoccupied or unused and certain people settle there yeah. and somebody tries to remove them yeah. and they, they resist that. Yeah. And so the place and then eventually they end up settling there. And the place actually then gets is called Enganino because the I guess the translation would be uh, the the place of stubbornness. Yes. And and then I ask myself, who gets to name places? Give because name because I wonder if the people who live there would actually call it the place of stubbornness or maybe they would prefer a place of resistance or yeah. the place where we fought for our humanity, and humanity you know and warned. Right
0: a home
1: correct yeah. or something like that but but what i'm saying is i think about also this idea of you know uh, that you're talking about that 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 place is 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 really a space that encodes yeah. stories yeah. and these stories are about people and if you if you miss the stories uh of the place then you miss maybe the people who yeah. occupy that particular place and you miss their pain the stories of pain you know their victories their identity yeah. right the things that speak about who who they are yeah. and it's interesting because in the in in the scriptures this idea of place you realize that it's it's space is not incidental to god's activity yeah that 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 God really cares about about he pays particular attention yeah. to people where they are yes. and he, and is very deliberate about way he acts. I mean, you open the scriptures right in the beginning, the scriptures go to great lengths to tell us where you know or to describe the landscape of the Garden of Eden, for instance, yeah. so we read about the the rivers, yeah. you know. Uh, and we read about the landscape, the geography of the of of the of the place, the terrain, and so forth. But you move through, and then you see that God says, you know, to to Moses, look, go and meet me in such and such a place. Yeah. Stand in such and such a place, yeah. and then you then I'll I'll cause my glory to pass in front of you. Yeah. But you have to go in in a particular place. Uh, you read about Jacob and yeah. his experience where he, he wrestles with God. And, you know, from that point, he gets up and he makes this monument, but it's this place, this is where I wrestled with God. And and right through in the New Testament, this continues, that understanding place, for instance, helps you to, uh, and understanding the people, the stories of people in those places, unlocks much of our New Testament. Uh, yeah. Paul's letters, for yeah. instance, when you want to understand what was going on in Corinth, you think about, Corinth as a city yeah. and the activities, the, yeah. the, the economic activities, the, the class uh, system, class how dynamics, it, the, the yes, dynamics yeah. and how everything works and you have to think through that. But also you see it uh, in some of the gospel writers and how they even assume place uh, uh, is something that it has meaning that they can use it as a literary device to tell us certain things. So, you know, Jesus encountering the Syrophoenician woman, he leaves uh, this particular area, Jewish territory, and how we're told he's left Jewish territory because he entered Tyre and Sidon, you know, because now these are are non-Jewish territories. And we understand that the way that's described He's not there on a mission, say like Jonah to Nineveh, for instance. He's there to rest rest, because the way place is described now becomes something that's assumed will tell us stuff about Jesus' own mission and his state of mind and what he's trying to accomplish so that even that encounter with the Syrophoenician woman, long before we get to the dialogue, the way that the story is told and how place shapes the setting of the story, we already know how to then understand the interaction. I wonder what has made us or what makes us think that God doesn't care about place, you think?
0: Yeah, I think um, I know that later on we're actually going to get into the way in which um, over time um, church history and I think general his, uh, world history has led to this place of dividing um, what's spiritual which yeah. in terms of what God is concerned about and what is secular and what's worldly mm. right what we, what we should distance our, ourselves from being too concerned about but um, mm. what really brings me a sense of reprieve when I look at John chapter 1 verse 14 is the fact mm. that God didn't sit you know, from this high and lofty place, but he saw something was happening in our place and then he entered it, mm. right? We talk about the incarnation as, um, as, as something that, that blesses, uh, or, or, or rather it's a visitation that, um, that shows us that God loves mm. this creation that he made. Otherwise he would have he would have done some symbolic thing from afar and would have never really cared about entering into the physical world. And, um, and him being physical in particular places, like you were saying, the way he was, um, the way he moved through places, deciding to go through a particular town as opposed to going around it had to do with his interactions with those particular people um, and so on and so on. And so when I think about the importance of not being blind, to the things that are happening in the in the physical world it has to do with god wanting to make sure that we don't miss out mm. on having a missional impact that is real and developing the kind of resilience that says my faith doesn't, my faith isn't gonna thrive because I don't concern myself with the things of this world. Mm. Because that's, there's something that's yeah. unbiblical about that yeah. because then you have to wonder why did Jesus come into this world? Yeah. Um, and Hilmerson says something in his book where he's talking about how we are not saved from history but mm. where salvation is in history. Mm. That, um, like you were saying, that uh, place isn't incidental. Mm. Uh, it's It's significant and so, Uh, Jesus his arrival was a historical event Mm. and so it should cause for us to lean into the story of history and say Mm. um, how then do we develop a faithfulness to God if we don't also um, develop a a strong lens that can look into the things that the world is experiencing and be courageous Mm. To face the, the the summons to faithfulness, as, a, as firstly as a as a spiritual community, but also in the Christian tradition, we speak about the Eucharist, yeah. right? It's a communion table, and um, what's significant about that is that it speaks about how um, our faith is a, is a thing of embodiment. Mm. So not just a thing of knowledge of what we know, but how we embody it, and so it's about. It's it's um, and this embodiment is becoming our words of faith and promise, mm-hmm. right? And then it's how we and then how we act mm-hmm. in the world based on those words of of, um, of faith and promise. And I think when we are able to pay attention to this world and mm-hmm. respond to this world with its challenges, with its histories, um, with all the things that um, are contested because of what has happened. Mm. In a place, I feel that we we get better at responding missionally, and so we don't have to rely only on our knowledge yeah. when it comes to responding to societies, um, societies' uh, cry, outcries, and the mm. things that happen on a daily. We actually um, keep asking ourselves, "What has happened here, mm. and how can I best respond?" And I think that when we look at the person of Jesus, we have the template. Mm. Um, but the bittersweet thing about, about the person of Jesus is that even this world that he came into, um, he died mm. in this world, right? Mm. He experienced our brokenness. And um, yet also another thing that we see about Jesus is that there's a resurrection. Mm. So in living an embodied faith, we kind of see this tension of, what, of, of like the fact that we know the stories of places is that it won't always be pleasant, but there's at least a promise that we will gain access to that resurrection life and that we can actually facilitate um, whether it's seeing it or imagining it happen in this world
1: i mean that's yeah that's that's really really encouraging um lucy because to think about christianity as a historical faith yeah um, to think about christianity as a historical faith you're saying it's also to think about it as, uh, as something that, uh, that ha- where space plays a significant yeah. role, because that yeah. historical event took place in space and time, yeah. a very specific space and time. Yeah. And that that also lends itself to to how we understand our theological, uh, development because yeah. we see then Jesus in, the, in, in his context, yeah. right? We see that these things unfolding in a particular space in time, but in the text, we, that's, uh, they come to us through the text. But at, at one point in time, then we see that has meaning for our hearts, so Jesus in our hearts and, and he transforms our hearts, yeah. but, but, but he continues to act and move and live in, in his world uh, to, 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 to fix uh, God's broken cosmos, and if we are to be disciples and followers, then we follow Him in 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 the world. And those yeah. are real spaces, and yeah. we can't then divorce uh, the stories that are encoded in those uh, spaces in those where people yeah. are located in understanding fully yeah. the the brokenness yeah. that resides, and also then appreciating God, uh, God uh, God making home or the shalom of God yeah. breaking breaking through. Yeah. Um, let me ask you for somebody who's saying, look, this is a, it's a great, this is a great concept and, and maybe it's very philosophical, yeah. uh, and, but bring it down now to, to, to this level. Uh, I want to understand this concept better and in such a way that it allows me then to act, right? Uh, to be able to do, to respond. Mm. Uh, what, would you, what would you say at least is a good starting point for them yeah. To follow, to to develop this courage, to understand this context of uh, place, home, and belonging.
0: Yeah, one of the things that um, that encouraged me is a quote from one of my favorite authors, Emmanuel Katangole. Yeah. Am I saying it right? Yeah. Emmanuel Katangole.
1: I'm not an authority. Okay, you know. Oh yeah, no, no. Okay,
0: right, I yeah. remember. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's a he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a he's a theologian from Uganda. Yeah. In his book, Sacrifice of Africa, he yeah. he speaks about how. Um, uh, the story the basically that, that stories that shape places are invisible mm. and the degree to which they remain invisible is a degree at which that they will keep on influencing people in those places and so he says this to allude to the fact that the more that we make the stories of place visible mm. the more that we'll know this is why we get the same character in the story. Mm. Uh, and uh, if you want to change a, a particular place and space, you have to get to the bottom story, like the, the story that haunts it, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, and so for me, things like getting to know your own neighborhood, yeah. the names of the streets,
2: mm-hmm.
0: why is this called this?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Who, who does the name of the street um, make an assumption that you will, you know, that, wh- what, what does the name of the street say and, and how does it um, create a sense of belonging in you? You said earlier about a place called Nganini, you know the type of person
2: mm-hmm.
0: that um, that would say, I belong to Nganini, mm-hmm. right? Um, places, think about the places that are that are named after struggle heroes, mm-hmm. right? Um, who gets to name those places and what happened there, mm-hmm. right? The fact that um, in, in, in town you have a street called Hanover Street and then you have another community that is called Hanover Park, mm. what happened there? What's the connection with those spaces? And then getting courageous to make the stories of our places visible, mm. right? And I think um, when I even go back to that um, John John 1, 14, yeah. how Jesus walks he walked on this earth. There's something about the the tactileness
2: yeah.
0: of, um, of 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 of, a, of, a, of God. Yeah. There's something about the touchability of God, and I feel that that touchability and that that visibility of God in the pain of the broken world actually speaks to us and yeah. our willingness to be to be touched yeah. where there is pain, to be present where there is pain, that we're not trying to run away and and say I'm actually going to the sweet by and by, guys. Peace out. I don't talk about all of these hard mm. stories. And so I think it's our willingness to be courageously there in the stories of pain that we find. And so um, that's, that's mm. honestly been yeah. my journey. Yeah.
1: What's the end goal? I mean, I understand the street names, I understand the stories, mm. um, that I would understand the, you know, how, how the, my neighborhood or my community is mm. organized, uh, who lives here and why, who yeah. doesn't live here, and why, yeah. uh, who belongs here and who yeah. doesn't belong, that sort of thing. But what, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the end goal in, in this understanding?
0: I think the end goal for me is, is always, um, is firstly to allow the Holy Spirit to see the, the context where I'm living better so that I can serve it better. There's a story um, in, in, in Exodus, I always, I always uh, used to find this very strange where the women of Egypt Right, have just experienced this hectic, um, these plagues because of the deliverance of the slave community, right? And then what did they do? They lived in the direction of the people that were being liberated. Um, And so they gave them, and and I wondered about them, like, why did they give them their jewels? Were they saying, just take everything, you've already taken everything, or, or what was it? And I wondered if this isn't something about seeing. Who God is liberating, and who God wants to liberate, and living your life in the direction of those who are marginalized and those who um, who are on the who are on the other side of the flourishing story, mm-hmm. and so um, so. F- yes, first of all, it's it's to allow the Holy Spirit to keep helping me see um, where the places of pain are and how to live in the direction of those places of pain and courageously there. And secondly, also, it's it's because we wanna know how to ask better questions and how to become more faithful to responding to places and what has happened there. Yeah.
1: Sure, Uh, just to circle around, you started the story with, um, you know, Maisha, his interaction with mm-hmm. you that showed something that we often you know uh, struggle with ourselves which is the sense of being being present, hurried yeah. the the way that uh, the book soul keeping speaks about being hurried is that you lose uh, you're always preoccupied right with the next thing mm. uh, or what i need to do yeah. that you lose the ability to be present yeah. with god and with you yeah. and and, uh, and in that in a particular space and, and I think the question that I ask myself is how am I going to live intentionally yeah. this coming week yes. so that I protect uh, myself against this preoccupation with the next thing the next thing. and uh, all the stuff that I need to get to next so that I really have uh, the I prioritize uh, being present in yes. the spaces where I find myself with yeah. you with my children with, other people yeah. uh, with God uh, yeah. when I need when I need to, and coming back now to 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 what you said about the fact that uh, play, uh, people have have a context and space is a is a context is a, is a, to understand people because it encodes the stories yeah. of people and you said that space shapes powerfully the experience of people how people yeah. experience life and the reality is. That a lot of people are experiencing uh, uh, their spaces in a dehumanizing way, right? That that where they feel dehumanized, where they where they feel brutalized, where where they feel oppressed, and so being able to see uh, those spaces and to see those people then allows me right to participate with God and how I can live my faith in the direction, Mm, not only of God but in direction of God, in the direction of people as well where then I can participate with God in uh, you know uh, uh, removing some or at least playing a role in removing some of those things that are dehumanizing people or that changes the way that people are experiencing their space and so that's a challenge is how am I going to see place uh, moving forward
0: yeah. Thank you so much for sitting and coming full circle with us. Our conversation and growth as people of faith is ongoing. And so we'd love to keep journeying with you. I'll circle around family, seeing how we can keep our cycle of faith, action and reflection continuing. So follow our Instagram accounts and join us next week as we continue circling around.